Welcome to the Baseball Insiders on this beautiful Thursday. I am Adam Weiner. I'm here to run through baseball's current headlines with you. And joining me today, pinch hitting for Robert Murray, who uh, I believe was hired to run the Yankees minor league offensive coordination system. So that's great. That's a big, uh, big promotion for Rob. No, we'll we'll see him back here next week. But today, Peter Dewey uh, from Bet side to the betting side of things is with me as well, Peter. Uh, how you doing? I know you and I share a fandom, which is not regular on this podcast, uh, so I'm sure you're a little dead inside, but I appreciate you pulling it together for the show. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're asking me how I'm doing in general, I'm doing great, but if you ask me how I'm doing in, uh, in terms of my baseball fandom, in terms of the Yankees, terrible. Absolutely yeah. terrible, but... Uh, you know, we powered through through to get the show going for the people. I guess we do. Yeah, baseball all-time stinky uh, if you're a New York Yankees fan. But if you are not, uh, we are approaching a, a critical mass this season and, and a good fun point of the season. So uh, what Peter and I figured we'd do today is just run through uh, what's been going down between Monday's show and Thursday's show, some obviously fertile topics of conversation. We won't do all Yankees talk, we promise you. But there was too much Yankees stuff floating in the ether for us to not touch on the pretty loud claims made this week by former Yankees minor leaguer Ben Ruda. So we'll, we'll start there. We'll also talk about the wild card races a little bit. I'll ask Peter to help me handicap them because they're getting tight. Uh, and one of the teams that's firmly in the AL wildcard race decided not to go with a closer after the deadline. So that's an interesting strategy. And we'll see if it works out for them when they are not playing the Kansas City Royals. Also, before we sign off, we will talk about the one thing that you have to talk about that's going on in the baseball world briefly. But obviously, we don't want to because, like, why Why would you want to? But, like, we, we will. We'll mention it. Um, if you are here with us and you do not have a DraftKings account, recommend getting one. Recommend getting one with us. Uh, if you are a new user... You can sign up, help the podcast using our code, receive $150 in bonus bets instantly after following just three steps. Create that account, deposit, and wager $5 or more on any sport. You can create an account with your mom's email, your dad's email. You can create accounts for anybody who wants an account, but you got to create one using our code. Uh, whether your first wager wins or loses, spoiler alert, probably going to lose, you will still receive the $150 in bonus bets. I'm not calling you a loser. Gambling is a loser's game. Even the best gamblers fail a significant amount. Peter, stop me if I'm wrong. All you have to do is use the code BASEBALLINSIDER when you sign up. That code is BASEBALLINSIDER. It's on the screen. Not only gets you the bonus, it also supports the show. If you're considering signing up for DraftKings, Use that code Baseball Insider. Maximize your first bets. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 plus physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer and join us here every Monday and Thursday at 3.30 Eastern. I'll be here next week. Uh, I will be on the road next week. I'll be in uh, New England. Scary. Having a little vacation, but I'm not going to miss a podcast. I promise you uh, that much I know. Uh, we have got some exciting stuff coming up for you next week, too. Uh, but I would consider it, Peter, exciting stuff for everyone who's not a fan of the New York Yankees to talk about the Yankees news from this week. The on-field team, terrible, and now recently retired minor leaguers claiming they do not teach baseball at the lower levels of the minors. So I guess we have to address that. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is I saw these comments and at first I was like, oh, it's a disgruntled former player. Yeah. And then the more you think about it, you're kind of like, I mean, it would make some sense considering every single top Yankees prospect outside of Glaber Torres and Aaron Judge has flamed out within two, three seasons in the major leagues. So um, not the craziest thing to think about when 
I mean, you look at what they've done post this this analytics uh, type of mindset that they've gone into, and you look at what their prospects have done. It's kind of crazy how poorly most, if not all of them, have panned out. The craziest stat, and I think the comment section is going to think I'm lying about this, but I promise you it's true. Um, obviously a burner. Eric Kratz has corroborated these comments. The man who made them initially, his name is Ben Aruta. He was an outfielder. And for reference's sake, broke out in 2018. Uh, then Dylan Lawson's team overhauled the way the minor leagues approach teaching um, in 2019. He got a little bit worse, not mark, still above average OPS plus over 100, all that stuff. He says they demoted him mid-year because his exit velos did not match the production. Then he was rule five to San Diego. Then his career collapsed. And he basically said, somebody came at him in the comments because they always do like, oh, didn't you just fall apart? And he was like, yeah, baseball is really hard. But that didn't stop me from saying these difficult truths that were confusing in the way I was taught. Um, this is the stat that I always cite that is truly insane. And if you are not like a Yankee fan and in it every day, you would not think this was true. Uh, Brian Cashman draftees. So not international free agents. Um, and we're also not talking acquisitions like Glaber Torres. Robinson Cano does not qualify. But Brian Cashman drafted and developed offensive players since his tenure began in 1998. How many over 10 war combined over the course of their careers? It, it can't be more than like four would be my guess. It is two. It's, it's Aaron Judge and it's Brett Gardner. How many over five war? I hope it's more than five. I'll say six, but I don't think it is. Still two. Third place is Anthony Volpe. Thanks for playing. Dude, that is terrible. Wow. Anthony Volpe's two-thirds of a season that have gotten him, you know, 2.7 or 2.8 war is third place on that list. Slight caveat is Austin Jackson, also drafted by Brian Cashman, is right up there. He's got like 22, I think, but 0.0 of it came on the major leagues. That's crazy. I mean, like I said, though, it's not surprising when you look at – the thing I always look at, Adam, when we talk about like the development of the minor leagues, and this doesn't fit as much as into that stat you said, but like when they made – when they blew up – everything. They traded a role as Chapman. They traded Andrew Miller and they traded Yvonne Nova. They made all those deals. They brought in all those young guys, built the farm up. And at the time it was 100% the right move. They had to make, make those moves. Look at how many guys from those teams, from that, those trades, where are any of them now outside of Glaber Torres? Where are any of these guys? And the issue is, is it wasn't, they didn't have top prospects. I mean, Clint Frazier was a top like 15 prospect in baseball when they traded for him. And they couldn't develop him. And at some point, I think uh, there was a great article by CBS about the Yankees this week. I saw uh, kind of detailing all the things that have gone wrong since 2017. And you look at all the teams in the, in the bigs, the Braves are the number one and how much homegrown talent they have. um, And it's why they're so successful year in and year out. But you look at the Yankees and the issue is, is like, they're not only not developing these guys, but they're either holding on to guys for too long and they lose all their value as well. They can't even move off of them because they're worth nothing. And it's just it, after a while, when it happens again and again and again, you have to look back and be like, there's something wrong with the process because they're not like there's other organizations in baseball that are having guys miss, but they also have guys hit for the Yankees. Everything's a miss, which is it just shouldn't happen. The, the, the odds can't keep coming up like that. 
Yeah, the the thing with the so what what Ruda is saying is that Dylan Lawson, you know, his methods, he obviously made it sound as silly as possible, right? He's like, they play a game where you only get points if you walk or hit a 95 mile an hour exit below liner. That's a hit. Anything under the 95 is not a hit. He says no base running, no moving runners, no fundamentals are taught. He also said he thinks they'll clean house after this year. And I'm not gonna decline that because A, they have to do something, and B, Dylan Lawson is already gone. So Dylan Lawson was brought in to implement a system. He implemented the system. He was Brian Cashman's first ever mid-year firing. Is it a scapegoat? It feels like it on the surface, but if you think about if what this man is saying and, and so many of these things need to be changed or at least balanced at the minor league level and the person who implemented them is gone, then maybe it's less of a scapegoat, more of a widespread, we have to solve this and root it out. Um, the rebuttal, you know, Lance Brezdowski, a former driveline guy, a marquee analyst uh and you know it has to be said the yankees are one of the best programs at creating exactly these things they're in the uh bottom 10 in i, I gotta pull up the tweet but it's like they they are exit velocity kings right like mm-hmm. they, they have found a way from low single a to triple a to produce exactly what they're looking to produce um and, and that's you know that that's okay third third in 90th percentile exit below first in expected WOBA in the minors, bottom 10 in chase rate. All of those are positives, but those positives are not translating to the major league level. So if they are teaching those and zeroing in on those things, I read an essay right before this show that basically was like, obviously exit velocity is good to emphasize. Obviously what the Yankees are teaching, those are the things that make successful major league hitters successful. But it's like standardized testing. When you key in on one element, and remove other remove other potential paths to success and start teaching to the test. Like you're teaching to get exit velocity, but you forgot about creating baseball players. You're teaching you a standardized test, but then people pass the test and overall slip in terms of grades. And that's the reason that we've de-emphasized that in the education system over the years. That's the trap the Yankees are falling into because these people are swinging so hard in the minor league levels to pass their exit velo test. They get to triple A breaking balls and big league breaking balls. They're swinging from their heels. They're not moving runners over and they're not balancing it with the fundamentals of the game. So uh, I'm an outsider. I'm not in the locker room, but Ben Ruda said that it had a negative mental health effect on him to be so heavily focused on building these underlying numbers without focusing on the tenets of the game. He knows I'm not the one saying it. He is. And uh, analytics are here to stay. They are the like analytics are the game of baseball. You can't divorce them from one another at this point. But the people who implement them in the Yankee system seem to be overhearing what's going on elsewhere. But without the conclusion part where like they figure out how to implement it or get it right or paint the whole picture. It, it has to be a happy medium, which I think Ruta said. He, he talked about it, too. I think it might have been on Twitter afterwards. He said that there had to be some kind of, like, there has to be a middle ground. I just think that I don't think analytics are bad, but they're also not the end-all, be-all. Like, you, that can't be the only thing you're looking at. And I think when you talk about guys swinging out of their heels and you look at some of these Yankees lineups that they've created, whether it's veterans, whether it's young guys, whoever they've had, you look at how many guys they have on the roster who – and it's it's kind of cliche, but it's like home run or nothing type of guys. It's like you can't build winning baseball teams like that. And there's a reason why you look at the Yankees' most recent playoff runs these last three, four years, and when they face dominant strikeout right-handed pitchers because they have right, their entire lineup is home run hitting strikeout uh, heavy right-handed hitters, 
they get beat. And it, so when you put your you're playing, like you said, they're they're building for this test and they're not realizing there's so there's intangibles here that also change. Like you don't need nine guys who hit 40 home runs every year because it's just not going to happen. You need other guys who can do other things in the lineup. You have to have some balance in there. And I think like there's plenty of guys you can look at in Major League Baseball right now. Luis Arias is the first one that comes to mind because he's obviously having a great season where he isn't an exit velocity, velocity king, but he gets the job done for what you need. He's going to hit over 300. He's going to put the ball in play. He's going to move runners over when you need to move runners over. And at the end of the day, the game of baseball hasn't changed. As much as people want to say, uh, you know, there's the new rule changes and the home run is more often, but the whole concept of baseball has not changed. The concept is to score runs. You don't have to only score runs by hitting home runs. You don't only have to score home runs by hitting doubles. There's plenty of different ways you can score runs. And I think the Yankees have to realize they have to come back to a middle ground of we're going to play the game of baseball and we're going to use the analytics to make us smarter, but we're not going to just be like, this is the doctrine and this is what we're going to live by. And I think the one good thing about this season is maybe that does change this thinking is it's finally kind of come down and collapsed on them where, yeah, things have gone wrong and you have to change something if you finish in last place. Yeah. Justin in the comments is right. Like, homers are tremendously important. And when you get to the postseason, the teams that can homer more often are, are going to run into one against great pitching are more likely to win a game. That said, look at recent champions with Adam Eaton and Howie Kendrick. There are guys who don't hit 40 homers, but hit 15 to 20 and can punish somebody's mistake, but stay like get on base as well. It's, a, it's an underpriced statistic. You, you, you need to slug to win a World Series. But what you don't need to do is be eight of the same righty slugger like the mm -hmm. Yankees currently are. That's how that's where the arrogance seeps in. Like the fact that there aren't lefties by design in this lineup is so absurd. Charlie Morton last night is like Charlie Morton has dominated this team since 2020. So you could basically just look at a Charlie Morton start and be like, that's the problem with the Yankees since 2017. Actually, when he just fed them curveballs and closed out the ALCS. But Charlie Morton looks at the Yankees lineup and goes, this is about to be really easy for me. I know how to solve this. Like, I'm a smart pitcher. I don't even need to, like, change my game plan midstream. I can start in the first inning, walk out and out of the end of the seventh inning. I know exactly what I did. Um, yeah, Justin, again, home runs, home runs win you series, but not just a, a lineup of nine righties who grip it and rip it from the heels and, and are, you know, on an off day, could just be carved up by an ace. That That's all I mean. Um, you're 100% right. Um, you, can have guys, yeah. you can have guys who hit home runs that aren't solely home run hitters, though, is what I'm saying. Like, there's nothing, no shame in a guy who hits 275 and hits 22 home runs. Like, that's yeah. that's also fine. You don't need a guy who hits the Joey Gallows of the world, who when the Yankees do bring in a lefty bat, they bring in a guy who, yeah, he might run into one once every 15 at-bats, but he's going to hit 185. So it's like there, there becomes a middle ground where I'm not saying you go out and you get nine guys who slap singles around, but like you have to have some kind of balance in the lineup where maybe not every guy is a home run or nothing. And I mean, you look at Aaron judge's development in his entire career of how he's kind of cut down on strikeouts. Obviously his eye is tremendous. And like, but you look at Aaron judge, isn't just a home run hitter. He gets a ton of base hits. And so it's like, when you add that in that aspect in where like, you look at their lineup now, like Stanton, unfortunately, this year has been basically like home run or nothing. Josh yeah. Donaldson, his entire Yankee tenure, home run or nothing. When you have that, those type of guys, it's very hard 
um, when you face good pitching where they can tunnel certain parts of the lineup where it's like these three guys are like a strikeout or a weak pop-up or a weak ground ball because if they're not hitting home run, they're not getting on base, and that's a problem. Yeah, next year's going to be bad. <laughs> next year's going to be, be terrible. Next year's going to be bad. Uh, we'll, we'll stop talking Yankees, but, I, I mean, they, they are probably going to finish below 500 this year or at least come really close. This is the latest in a season they've ever been at 500 or below since 95. Uh, certainly sucked. So people online want to tell you it, it doesn't suck to be a fan of that, but obviously it's, it's quite unpleasant. Um, would you rather never finish below 500 for 31 years ever and everybody hates you and they rub it in your face when you finally do or finish below 500 a couple times, write a couple seasons off, people get off your back, you get a better draft pick. I honestly, I, I envy the Red Sox. I make no secret of that. Uh, sometimes they're just straight up dreadful. They finish in last place and then they're able to rebound and win the World Series with the talent they accrue, with the money they saved, et cetera. I actually would be, I'm not proud of never finishing under 500. I would be totally fine if the Yankees had let me, hey, Adam, why don't you take 2014 off? We're going to finish 70 and 92. Enjoy your summer. That I'll take that, but I don't know how you feel. I, I think I would take the over 500s, man. I, I want the 31 years straight because, I mean, this season's been terrible. It's been awful. I don't I don't want to have to go through this as, as spoiled as it is as a Yankees fan. And I think for the just the Yankees' perspective, I think the Yankees are going to be hated no matter what they do. I mean, oh, yeah. at this point. So if you're going to tell me I can be hated and win 90 games versus be hated and and go under 500, I'm, I'm, taking, the, I'm taking the 90 games. But I do feel you if – you were telling me the trade-off was you finished in last place one year and then you win a World Series. I could I could sign up for that, the red, the way the Red Sox have done things, because it, it, it feels like it's going to be uh, a long time before the Yankees get back to another one. Yeah, get a new brain trust in here, see what, they, see what they're thinking. Uh, Justin is right. Justin asked about Kyle Tucker earlier in the chat, too, about possibly getting to free agency. He is the, he's the guy, man, for me. He's a dream Yankees target. He's a right fielder now, but by the time he's in New York, he could be a left fielder. Aaron Judge could be a DH first baseman. Like, I just don't know what Aaron Judge is going to be in 2025-26 in that offseason. The Astros, uh, I was more confident in Kyle Tucker hitting free agency when they still had Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford in their minor league system before they traded him to the Mets. But Chaz McCormick, Jake Myers, Corey Jolks, Jordan, there, there are plenty, there's plenty of outfield talent in there in Houston, Dubon, they could also sign somebody. The Astros love to, to accrue talent. My eyes are on Kyle Tucker for sure in, in free agency. I, I agree with you, Justin. I do not think he extends. Yeah, I I could see him. He could be kind of the guy that could, like his free agent class kind of reset the market potentially, depending upon if, especially if he keeps up. I mean, he's been terrific this year. So I could see that. I just, Houston's weird too, because obviously they let Correa walk. Um, they had, had no problem with letting Verlander walk before getting him back either. So they're not like they're not like guaranteed to bring these guys back. They obviously because they developed a bunch of guys that played very well. They're very comfortable with kind of saying, "Hey, like we're happy with what we have. We'll see where we go." I mean, they let Correa walk and they won the World Series. So clearly, they know what they're doing. So I think if it, he comes out of their price range, I wouldn't be shocked if they are comfortable with letting him enter free agency. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Let's go ahead and, and handicap the wild card race a little bit, which is where the Astros find themselves. It has not stopped them from probably being a, the World Series favorite to come out of the American League for a lot of people. Um, you look at that bracket and you're like, oh, the Orioles, we love them, but are we sure? Like, <laughs> raise that. Ah, like, you just keep sending the Astros past people until they're accidentally in the World Series. But they are in the wild card race at this point in time. Uh, the AL and NL are both extremely exciting at this point uh, for me, which, which we're lucky. Uh, the division race is kind of a snooze, but the AL and NL wild card race is very exciting. The AL, it's pretty much that final spot, I believe, in the Rays and Astros. Uh, the NL, you got a whole mess of teams. So let's start with the American League. Uh, the Mariners complicated things a little bit by saying, Paul Seawald, see ya. Uh, and they ended up with four straight games across two series where they blow an 8-5 lead in a win on Tuesday, 6-5 ninth inning comeback blown on Monday, two last inning losses to the Orioles in extra innings. Uh, Munoz throwing 40 pitches in one of those games this week in KC, uh, survives because of a base running blunder. Now the Mariners all of a sudden have an Achilles heel that they created, but they are still right there nipping at Toronto's heels. So how are you envisioning this AL wildcard race? Yeah, so it's very interesting. One of the first things I looked at was just the strength of schedule, I think, is going to be really important down the stretch. Obviously, the Blue Jays are playing in the toughest division in baseball, and but they actually don't have that bad of a schedule. They have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Um, the Mariners have the, the eighth easiest. They play six games against Oakland, four games against Kansas City, and three against Chicago, the White Sox. So they they could really make, up, uh, make this really interesting. Um, I think... If you're going from a betting perspective, Seattle is now plus 120 to make the playoffs. Blue Jays are minus 185. I think that it's worth sprinkling on Seattle to make the playoffs here just because the strength of schedule is easy. And I know the bullpen has been a little shaky, but overall, they're still third in bullpen ERA this season. I wonder if they maybe decide to switch it up and go kind of by committee to close some of these games if this keeps happening. Just because they've had good arms back there all season, losing Seawald obviously sucks. It's like they forgot that they were trying to make the playoffs or decided they didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. And then they they went on this crazy run um, since the deadline. But I think there's some value there. I do think Toronto is the better team. Personally, I think just offensively, they're a much better team and their rotation has been pretty solid this season. But I think there's some value in the Mariners just because of how easy the strength of schedule is down the stretch. They're going to have multiple series that they could potentially sweep or at least take two out of three of. And even though you could say that the same for Toronto, they still have to play three against Baltimore, four against Texas, six against Tampa Bay, three against Boston and three against Cincinnati and Boston, Cincinnati, both could end up being on that wild card line too. So they are going to might have something to play for in both of those series. So I think there's some, there's an argument to be made for the Mariners to at least get in. But I think after them, like Boston and New York, I think the Yankees are out of it. We already discussed them, but Boston, I don't think Boston has the firepower to kind of make up that ground. Um, especially considering how easy the schedule is for the rate for the uh, Blue Jays and the Mariners because the Red Sox have the second hardest strength of schedule to finish this year. Yeah, I think that's important because I always, I honestly watch the Red Sox more than I watch my own team for the rest of the year. I don't really intend to watch much Yankees baseball, but uh, the, the Red Sox just, they almost got knocked out of the race by Toronto about a week and a half ago. And then whoever did the schedule had four at home against KC, three at home against Detroit, three on the road against the Nats, three on the road against the awful Yankees. So you get tricked back into the Red Sox at that plus 850 total, but then the schedule goes crazy. Then it's Houston, H Houston Dodgers, Houston. Like 
it never ends. So plus eight fifty is probably. I mean, it's a it's a good bet if you believe in the Red Sox, who have handled themselves well against above five hundred teams this year. They're one over. They're thirty eight and thirty two. They're one under on the road, and they're seven over at home. They are pretty much exactly what they are. They can go toe-to-toe with anybody. They don't lose a lot of games on bad breaks or blown saves. They are 50-3 and three when they have the lead after the sixth inning. So they're, they're an interesting baseball team that, that holds their own when the competition gets you know heated up, turned up a little bit. However, um, not in the playoff bracket right now and certainly have a tougher schedule then Casey and then Casey, then Seattle and Toronto and going 500 against 500 or better teams is not going to be enough if mm-hmm. they want to get in that spot. That That's the issue for Boston is if they were only trailing one team, there's, there'd be so much more of a, a chance, but like they need both Seattle and Toronto to play slight, like kind of bad against bad teams. Like both those teams, I see uh, Justin kind of pointed out in the chat, like Toronto ends the season with six against the Yankees and six against Tampa Bay. But at the same time, who knows? Some of those Tampa Bay games might not mean anything to Tampa Bay, depending upon how it plays. They might be locked into that second wild card spot. So that might, those could be kind of up in the air. And then uh, Seattle finished the season with Texas for seven, Houston for three. Again, could be tough games, could might not, they could be non mattering games, depending upon how the season goes for a couple of them. So I think that's also something to look at. It, basically, what it comes down to is, the end of the season schedule, regardless of who it is, like the last 10 games for everybody are going to matter um, for those teams on the wild card edge. It's who are you going to beat up on before that? Like there's a chance with some of the easier games that Seattle can build out like a four game, five game lead on Boston. And if it does that, that's going to make it really hard for the Red Sox to come back. Yeah, I mean, I've seen enough Boston nonsense. Pablo Reyes tied the game in the eighth inning yesterday with a two-run homer. I've seen enough Boston nonsense in my life that I'm not, you know, counting out yet. I might, I might put some chips on them. I don't mind it. It's a good number. Plus eight fifty is like basically saying they're out. Like the implied probability exactly. that's got to be crazy. Yeah, I mean, they're they're if they don't make the playoffs, they're definitely a playoff contending team this year. And to have them at plus eight fifty, I'm kind of rolling my eyes. Like, look, they're yeah. they're better than that. The, the implied odds are saying they have a ten point five percent chance of making the playoffs. I don't think. I think it's higher than that personally. I think that's yeah. a very low. Um, but still, I. Personally, I wouldn't bet them. I, I think Seattle's the better value bet if you're looking for plus money there. But um, I don't mind a sprinkle on Boston because you're right that that there's a higher they have a higher chance than that to make it. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, Burner Marcelo Meyer may be better than Jason Dominguez, but it also he might not be that good, right? The, the Kylie McDaniel ESPN uh, prospect re-ranking column this week that said he might hit 260 with 25 homers. People agree he might just be an above average bat and that's okay. We don't know if he'll stick at shortstop. It's like people are already starting to hedge their bets on Marcelo mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, but he is better than Jason Dominguez. I think probably, <laughs> or at least the baseline outcome is probably uh you know, more, more competent and it's just, he's fine. Um, what about in the national league where it's just psycho mode right now? Uh, Christopher, like I, I would have been down on the Cubs until Christopher Morrell hit a walk-off three-run home run last night, tore around the bases, ripping his shirt off, and what uh, scientists have described as the literal polar opposite of the New York. Like, if you <laughs> if you had to create an encyclopedic definition for what is not the Yankees, it would be that video of Christopher Morrell dancing at, at the middle of the field on the mound as he tore his jersey off. Um, I would have probably said, hey, you got to make a better statement against the White Sox, and then they made maybe the powerful, uh, loudest possible statement last night. This wild card race is kind of a mess. The Phillies have distinguished themselves. My Diamondbacks are falling out of that bottom spot. But other than that, I have no idea how to make hay of this. 
Yeah, so the way I look at this, the two teams I think are definitely going to get a spot. Obviously, Philly, they just have a big enough lead at this point. They they just kind of got to play 500 ball, maybe a little bit better, and they should be fine. Yeah. Um, I think the Cubs are going to be in for a couple reasons. One, they have the fourth easiest strength of schedule to finish the season. Um, they have three against the Braves. They also have six against the Brewers, which could be sneaky. They could take the division. So I think that's the other thing. If you're going to look to bet on the Cubs, they're minus 125 to make the playoffs. They might win the division. I'm not saying they're going to, but it's it's still in the cards for them. Like Phillies probably has no chance to win the division. The Braves are up by too much. Like there are, there's a path for the Cubs to still win the division. Um, and then the other thing I think that helps the Cubs is that San Francisco and Miami have the fifth and sixth hardest schedules to end the season. So they have a lot of tough games they're going to have to play. Um, and I just, I don't know about you, but I don't believe in this Reds team just because they've been so up and down. Like, I think they've overachieved this season for what everybody expected, but like, yeah, they might win six games in a row and I'll be like, wow, they won six games in a row. They could also lose 10 in a row and I wouldn't be surprised. That's just how like the second half of the season has kind of gone for them. Ever since they took the division lead, they've been here, they've been there. It's just way too hard to figure out. Um, so I personally wouldn't, don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I would probably lean ends up Philly, Chicago, San Francisco, but I do love the Marlins rotation. I think they might be able to pitch themselves in um, it's just going to be a question of like, can their bats give them enough to win enough of these games down the season? They do have a tough schedule, but I, I go Philly Cubs guarantee, I think are in. And then I think that the giants get that last spot. I I'm with you on the reds. I think we maybe have already seen the best of the reds. And for mm-hmm. people who are, uh, a lot of people were Ellie De La Cruz watchers in July. Cause they were like, I can't get enough of this guy. And if you did that, then you've seen a little bit of a, uh, an expected downturn as as people adjusted. Uh, I'm a huge, I'm a Matt McClain truther. I think that that is an incredible ball player, um, and I'm excited to see what comes of him in the years to come. Uh, the Reds are going to be a trendy NL Central pick next year, mm-hmm. but I think this year uh, I'm not sure about them either. I hope uh, what I need. I, I've got a very fun October ahead of me. I know that's counterintuitive considering I root for uh, the least interesting team in baseball. But if the Phillies are able to keep that wild card spot, keep that number one wild card spot, I think I'm going to be able to give uh, you all some reports from the scene. I think I'll be in the clubhouse and in the box for those Philly home games. So uh, hashtag get Philly to host wild card with number four seed. Uh, get that uh, easy to say hashtag trending. It'd be very <laughs> helpful for me. Um, yeah, I, I think that I think the uh, Giants are stability. I think the Giants scream stability to me, but I think Philly is the best team of all the teams that we're discussing here. Uh, Chicago is the most electric, and it's it comes down to Miami's pitchers or San Francisco's uh, steady offense. I feel like we maybe have already seen the best of San Fran, too. They kind of fall into the Cincinnati bucket for me, unless Wade Meckler can reinvigorate them after being promoted and hitting like 390 at every level, like somebody I've almost never thought about it's like by the way there's another guy who hits 390 getting called up it's like oh cool um but i and i'm inclined to say the three teams currently i I think the giants might be able to hold off the marlins but that is my one two three four yeah the the one and a half game lead definitely helps the giants just because they have a little bit of a margin of error for for now um, I do wonder the Cubs, I saw the Stroman today, he has a cracked rib, so he's out probably at least till the end of the month. That hurts them a little bit. Obviously, he's been probably their best pitcher outside of Justin Steele this season. But um, I, I like. I really think the Cubs 
are a team I would not want to face in the playoffs just because, like you said, they are electric right now. Their bats have been crazy since the all-star break. Um, and I just, I think I want Miami to make the playoffs because I do think that rotation is just very, very fun. All those young arms. I just don't, I don't know if they're going to hit enough. Like I, it's just so tough down the stretch and they have some really tough games. Like they play, uh, six against the Dodgers, three against Atlanta, two against Tampa Bay, three against Philly and seven against Milwaukee. Like, I just don't know if they can get enough offense to win enough of those games where they they surpass the Giants who already have a, a head start at this one and a half lead right now. Agreed. Uh, well, as the captain of this podcast for today, you know what? Uh, obviously, a burner's right. Tampa in the saying in the comments, Tampa going through it. Um, I don't think we're going to talk about that thing. I, I'm going to just I, I I run this show today. I mean, producer Joanne runs this show. But then once the show goes live, I'm running this show today and I just not going to talk about it. It's it's horrific. We don't really have anything unique to add. It's horrific either way. And uh, we're going to the baseball world has to keep an eye on it because because it's happening in the baseball world. But you I don't think you and I have any unique commentary on this. No, I mean, you you said it. it's horrible. It's horrible the fact that we even have to think about talking. It shouldn't it shouldn't have that like that shouldn't ever be a conversation we should have to have. So I'm nope. glad it's not having then. It's and it's and it. I had more fun having this conversation than I would have having that conversation. Exactly. So that's exactly that's where we hey, everybody knows what we're talking about. Um it's bad. Uh, goodbye to that. Well, it was a uh, it was a fantastic show. Other than that interlude of, of discussing the thing that we're not going to discuss, uh, Peter, thank you for joining me, man. Uh, we went uh, somehow. We did a Yankee centric show on the Baseball Insiders. About half the show was Yankee conversation, and we retained viewers. So, uh, love to see it. yeah, love to see it. No, appreciate you having me on, man. This was fun. I love uh love when we get to talk talk a little baseball. It's great. Yeah, this was fantastic. Uh, thank you, Peter, for holding down the fort and helping me out today. Um, as always, again, it was fantastic. As Joanne dropped in the comments, we do have a Discord channel to take you between shows. We'll all be in there uh, discussing, answering your questions, talking trending topics. Peter, are you in the Discord? I am. I got to send all these playoff picks I had in there. That's what I'm going to do when we get off the show, Get the so that everybody has them. And then hopefully I can go back to them in like a month from now and be like, I told you guys. So that's that's my goal here. Yeah, pop them in the betting uh, channel in the Discord channel. It's a great place to be if you're not in there yet. Just become a member on the YouTube channel with us, 99 cents a month. And as the offseason, as the playoffs heat up, plenty of content for you there between shows. As the offseason goes nuts, it's the first place you'll have access to rumors that Robert and I and the crew will later discuss on this live stream. So we'd love to see you join us there to get the conversation flowing. Again, DraftKings is the fuel for this podcast. The promo code is BaseballInsider. Not insiders, insider, because when you really think about it, Robert is the baseball insider. I'm just like the I'm just like the dude. So baseball insider is the code. Again, I'm just a, I'm a baseball man. I, I'm not an insider. I know what he tells me um, and I make stuff up. I don't know if the Yankees teach baseball in the minor leagues or not, but I'm going to talk about it because somebody told me about it. Uh, yeah, the, the Yankees do stink. Uh, if you're coming here to watch me talk about the Yankees stink, I'll talk about that more on the Yanks Go Yard podcast, but I'll touch on it here for sure, especially when they're dreadful and we have off-season questions to answer that's pretty much it we will see you back here again next monday every monday thursday 3 30 eastern would love if you chose some love on the youtube channel like subscribe all that good stuff that you've been sick of influencers saying since 2008 
Uh, if you're not subscribed yet on a podcast feed, we're on all the good ones and some of the bad ones. What are the bad podcast feeds? That's for you to decide, but we're on them all, so can't miss us. We'd love if you'd show us some love there as well. Um, man, that is, I was really hoping to eat, Peter, gonna be honest, I was, I was hoping to eat sushi after this podcast. It's like four o'clock. I don't think it's time for me to do that yet. Yeah, no, you gotta wait for that. You gotta wait a little bit longer for some sushi. Four yeah, o'clock sushi stuff. Four o'clock's rough. It's not the time <laughs> when a meal is consumed. But no. you know what? I'll be unhangry by the end of the night. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter or X if you call it that at Adam Weiner. Peter is Peter Dewey too. And while we sign off, obviously a burner, I'll give you a peek at the specs. I'll see you all next week from a new location. We'll be on the Cape, on Cape Cod in enemy territory, enjoying some beach time, but still taking time out to talk baseball. Until then, thanks everybody for joining us. Hell of a show. We'll see you next week.